London to Brighton, a journey that many people know, and they know it by road. Some, and in fact, a lot of people will know this journey by bike with the famous annual bike ride from London to Brighton. But what about the scenic route? What about the trails, the fields, and the out and out adventure of this journey down south? Hello and welcome to the Ultra Running Podcast with me, Coach Marshy. I hope you're all well and I hope your training is going well and the running that you're doing. Um, upon recording this, we are right in the thick of ultra running season. So uh, hopefully lots of you are out there getting those first time ultras done, second time ultras, going back to try 100 miles because you failed before, whatever it is you are doing. So good luck to you all and I hope to be back out there joining you very, very soon. So... We are going to bring today's guest in to the show. So I'd like to welcome Georgie to the show. Hello, Georgie. How are you? Hello. I'm not too bad. Not too bad. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm still playing with my injury, but it's, uh, it's all on the right path. Good. Good. So, Georgie, um, I'll, I'll say this because I've said this on, on other episodes before. Georgie and I met through my running club, our running club, High Runners. So uh, I thought I would say that before we start. But Georgie, why don't you tell everyone who you are, what you do sort of in day-to-day -day life and what your involvement is in running? Um, yeah, so hello, I'm, I'm Georgie. Um, I am a, well, day-to-day -day life, I'm, I work in marketing. Um, and yeah, outside of work, I, um, I actually picked up running when I stopped playing football. I'm a bit of a footballer. I've been playing since I was about four or five years old. Um, and yeah, I stopped playing as uh, I left uni. Um, and there was like a hole in my life that needed to be filled. Um, I filled it first with weight training, uh, loved weight training, but there was something about running that it just, it, it hits different and, um, I needed to get back into it. Um, and yeah, uh, my girlfriend actually, um, who lives in Histon, recommended uh, recommended high runners, and yeah, I um, popped along for a for a session, and the rest is history. Yeah, I've been a high runner now for oh god, three three four Quite years. A while. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. It's been, so, been a uh, while, Georgie. It has it has been a it while? Has, yeah. So um, so yeah, in a nutshell, that's that's how I started running. Cool. So um. Before we kind of dive into the intro there and the, the kind of the idea of uh, London to Brighton, which we'll, we'll dive into shortly, um, would you say you've been involved or consider that you've been involved in any sort of running event previously that was kind of outside of the norm? So, you know, not your typical 10K or half marathon. Is there anything you've sort of been a part of? Um, absolutely. And it wasn't, it wasn't actually... I did it not long after I joined High Runners, um, and it's called the Hope Alive Tour, um, where we ran in sort of like relay teams. I think there was sort of eight, eight to ten of us ran in a couple of yeah, relay teams from Hull um, all the way down to Cambridge uh, in in a few in a, a few days. 
Um, and yeah, it wasn't long after I joined High Runners that that opportunity crept up and I didn't really know anyone either. And I thought, oh, why not? It's an adventure. It's a journey. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, what a, what a journey that was. That was nuts running sort of two, three in the morning through Manchester. Um, yeah, it, it was nuts. Absolutely nuts. Loved it. Loved every second. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a bit, actually, that specific bit. But um, So that was 2019, the Hope Alive Tour. And um, we are going to have a guest on the show who's going to talk about the Hope Alive Tour from 2022. So the one that the one that Georgie's explaining there was the Hope Alive Tour where we ran from Hull to Liverpool to Nottingham to Cambridge. And that was only the second time the tour had ever taken place, Georgie. So what we did was is we kind of got all of you guys that we could from the club, um, which as you know, from what you're saying there, it sounds like it served a purpose to kind of really cement some, some good bonds. I know it certainly made me and you closer friends and, and we got to know lots about each other and realised that we both have a massive common love for football. Um, so, you know, it was, for me, it was a really good experience for the club and it was definitely a great experience for the tour itself to understand how that was going to work. So we have got a guest coming on, hopefully in the, in the next few episodes to come and talk to us about that tour specifically because in a way, Georgie, you were running, you were running for four hour. It was a four hour period, and there was four or five of you in a team, and you rotated within that four hour period, sort of half an hour. So you got two slots each, say, just for a random kind of number, um, and then you would have four hours off, and then you go back out again. What was that like? Because it's kind of a bit like multi day running within an ultra mm. run, but in a bit of a different yeah. way. Yeah, like on on paper, it kind of sounds. It sounds easy um, because you're kind of, you know, I mean, what you're averaging probably about 10K every four hours or yeah, every yeah. eight hours, or, um, which sounds very easy, but you're doing that constantly for three, four days. Um, and it's the, it's not so much the physical part of the run. It's it's the fact, you know, it's what, getting the knock on the door on the, um, on the old mobile home at you know three in the morning, going right, it's your it's your turn, and you can hear the rain, and you're like, oh god, this just no, I just don't want to go out. You're all comfy, yeah, you know, on the on the sofa bed or or whatever, and um, yeah, but you see the rest of your team sort of getting ready and getting to go, out and you you're like, but I can't, I can't let them down, I can't stay in bed, so you got to yeah. drag yourself yeah. out. Um, and because we did it, I think we did it sort of winter time, didn't we? Was it October, yeah, it was November? Time, October, it was, yeah. So, so it's cold as well. <laughs> yeah, it was. And actually, do you know what? You say three in the morning and um, I was sort of there as I was there as a runner mainly on that tour. And, you know, I just I remember we were in Manchester and it was a Thursday night um, and we'd started the tour Thursday morning. Thursday night we'd reach Manchester about three in the morning. It was student night. We were in Salford. We were scared. Um, we were going under the part through underpasses, and it was just a bit weird, wasn't it? I mean, you're a Liverpool fan by by football sort of uh, loyalties, and as we ran through there, it was we just had an interesting chat about football. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was to. Um, I think we were both a bit nervous, so I think it was to calm the nerves yeah. <laughs> and sort of yeah get you through the the three miles through Manchester. But I think I remember dipping into a. I think we needed the loo and we dipped into that mcdonald's and yeah. it was just 
it was one of them. I mean, and every city's got one. It was just that McDonald's was the most, it was, it was a bit rank. Toilets weren't flushing. There was a bunch of, yeah, there's a lot of drunk people in there. Like you say, it was a stupid night. Um, Yeah, that, it was an experience. That's for sure. And there we are all in like our running kit ready to go out running for the next stage. And it, it was, it was just a pure entertainment in only a runner's world, I think is probably yeah. fair. So Absolutely. yeah, no, cool. So mo- moving on a second question though, before we dive into the whole um, London to Brighton experience, um, before we talk about the journey, there, there must be a reason that you ended up on that start line of that ultra marathon. It was your first ultra marathon. Um, we're going to talk about it in a minute, but what was the why? The, what was the reason for it? Um, the London to Brighton, you mean? Yeah, London to Brighton, yeah. Um, what was the why? I guess, I guess there's there was two, I think. Um, the, the obvious one, I mean, I was raising money for charity. Um, so my girlfriend works um, in a care home in Cottenham um, who look after sort of four or five kids ranging from sort of babies up to the age of 18. Um, and they've got quite complex uh, health needs. Um, so we had initially, it was actually Alex's idea. She was like, oh, we should do something nuts. We should do, yeah, we should run from like London to Brighton. And we were going to plan it ourselves. And we were trying to play, this was right in the, in the, the thick of COVID as well. Um, so everything was getting shut down left, right and centre and then opening up and then shut down again. And we were trying to plan it and we realised this is probably the job was a bit too big than we initially thought. And then I just happened to stumble across Action Challenge, um, who put on how so many um, ultra events across the UK and they're very, very established, very well known. And... Um, yeah, I thought, well, the route is already, it's already, it's all planned, um, you know, rest stops along the way. So that was the initial reason why. Um, yeah. And I guess the second reason, the more sort of personal one, is that I, I love pushing myself to you know, find out where my boundaries are. Yeah. Um, you know, what's that point where I'm going to, sort of break or what's that point where I go, you know, what like, this is, this is, I'm done, I'm done. And I'm really curious as to where that is both physically and mentally as well. Um, so yeah, yeah. They, they, were the two, they were the two wise. Yeah, no, I like, I like it. I like the idea that we, um, we push on and, you know, in a previous episode, my, my podcast producer came on and interviewed me about my, my experience of ultra running. And I, I said to him that, you know, I guess, the reason I got into running and then the endurance events like Ironman and stuff and ultra running was because you can't, when you're pushing that hard, you can't focus on anything else. So it can yeah. be quite numbing of other things in your life or whatever. But part of that process is for me, that what you've just said, and that resonates in my head really well. Like where is that point where mentally and physically together, I can't go f- any further when when will they both break? Because even if you're physically struggling, mentally you might be able to push on. Or if you're yeah. mentally not really in it, your legs will keep going maybe for you for a little bit. But at a certain point, I guess they're going to, you know, for us personally, everyone will be different. But there will be a point where we can reach. And I think, you know, something like the Ultra Challenge from from London to, to Brighton sounds like it was 
a good place for you to start and test that theory, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, like I said, you hear of, you hear, I mean, the different distances with ultra. I mean, you've heard, you know, that there's the 100 mile, there's 150 mile, there's 200 miles, 250. Um, I didn't want to jump into one of those straight away. Um, but yeah, it sounded like the perfect place to kind of experiment and, and try it out and get a taste for ultra running. Um, I mean, I knew I loved, you know, from, from running with the club, I knew I loved, I loved the five Ks, the 10 Ks, the halves. Um, so yeah, it, it was, you know, to get a taste of that longer distance, you know, um, and yeah, see if I see if I could get the bug. And to use a phrase, am I right in saying you were kind of running home a little bit? Because you're kind of from down that way. Yeah, my parents live in Brighton. Yeah, so I think that helped mentally. I think knowing that, well, first knowing they were going to be at every rest stop, for example, was a huge, a, yeah. uh, mentally a huge lift. Um so yeah, I quite like that actually. Running home, and I, I did, I'd never described it like that before. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just something I thought of when we were when we were there and tracking you down there. So I'm sure we'll dive into this a lot more. But so, talk to me about the start line. You're on the start line in Richmond. This is 100 k's ahead of you. What what are you thinking? What are you feeling? Um, there was a lot of anxiety, a lot of anxiety, um, and that had all been building for about probably about two, two or three weeks. Um, and I mean, the, so to kind of put that into context, like, so the, the four weeks leading up to the race, I'd actually um, inju I picked up a little injury. It was only a small one. Um, I did a 30 mile run in my training, which was kind of the peak of my training. And then it was to, the mileage was going to start creeping down again. Uh, and I, I ran that run with an injury, which I shouldn't have done. Um, which ended up putting me not out, but I couldn't run as much as I wanted to uh, in the weeks leading up to the race, um, which didn't help the nerves and didn't help the anxiety. Um, and then on the morning of, it was kind of four in the morning, um, my dad was driving me down to the start line and I was, I was very quiet in the car. Um, yeah, it was just that, the unknown that that's what was scary. I, I I knew I knew I could cope up until thirty miles, but after that, it's unknown territory. I don't know what's I don't know how I'm going to cope physically, mentally. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, you know, you can practice nutrition, you can practice all that sort of stuff on your training, but really, like I said, past thirty miles, I had no idea. Um, so yeah, you're on the start line and. You, you, there's they do really well with you know geeing everyone up and there's music playing and you do one of the the sort of the warm ups with the music and stuff um, sort of ten minutes before you start which kind of gets everyone well as relaxed as they can be um, and then yeah then then you just go and you just you run with the pack um, yeah and uh, it's getting that I think for me it was getting that first 10, 12 k under my belt. Yeah. Um, and then it was like, okay, um, this is the part that I'm good at. I, I'm, I can run. So this is, this should be, this is the balls in my court now. Um, but yeah, th it, there was a lot of nerves on that start line. Yeah. And I think, I think anyone who's been there 
will be thinking about a previous memory of their own where that happened, maybe their first one as well. People who haven't been there can maybe relax in the knowledge if they just listen to this and hear you say that, can relax that it would be normal to feel that. You know, you've done a 30-mile yeah. training run and you still had all that anxiety at the start. So, yeah, okay. So you, you started this race. You, you're talking about the first 10 to 12K there. You're in there. And let's go back to what I said at the beginning. I think, you know, a lot of people who live and work in and around London will probably know London to Brighton on road and they'll go down there for weekends and they'll go there for days out and whatever. And then there's the sort of, especially us guys living in and around Cambridge, we we're used to cycling. So we always yeah. hear about these big cycling events and the, the London to Brighton cycle and, you know, Cambridge to Brighton cycle and vice versa coming the other way. These things have all been done lots of times and people know the route, but, you're running and I'll tell you what I thought about it. When you said about doing that event, I thought, okay, London's Brighton. I can constantly think and instantly thought by road, but that wasn't the truth. Was it? In fact, there was very little on the road. Yeah. So the first, um, probably the first 20 odd miles, um, are on the road and you kind of go oh this is this is not i'm a road runner i'm i'm not i don't i don't profess to be a trail runner at all um i don't particularly enjoy trails um so the first 20 miles is like yeah it's all road absolutely fine no problem and then it's like all of a sudden you're running through fields with sheep and cows in and you're like hang on a minute i've ended how have i ended up here um yeah yeah, it's a bit bizarre. Uh, it, it takes it, it turns very, very quickly. It's like a switch. Yeah, and actually, um, so myself and my partner came to meet you, Michelle. We came down to meet you, didn't we? And uh, we yeah. popped up at, I'm not sure where we popped up, actually, 20 miles? I think it like was that. around there, yeah, yeah. Went far off that because then I think it did start to go traily after that point, maybe, like quite a lot. And, you know, Michelle jumped out to run with you and you guys went through this, you went to the end of this road that I drove to the end of, and then you guys had popped into this trail path. So then I drove round through all these nice little villages and you could tell we were really starting to come away from those sort of boroughs of London, if you know what I mean. And we were starting to get out into the sticks a little bit. And then um, I pulled up um, in this village where you literally crossed over the main road. I pulled up because there was a lovely little side street just there that you guys were going to come out of. And I thought, Do you know what? I'll just have a little trot down to meet you. And uh, down being the big word that was used there. Um, <laughs> and I, I was like, I was, I was doing my running streak and I was running. So I thought, I'll get my running here. Um, they seem to be a little bit further away than, than I want them to be. But that's all right. I'll, I'll run down there. And then I literally ran down there and I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, wow. I'm not going to mention this. I'm definitely not mentioning this. Um, so I apologise for that, Georgie, because I turned up. I was like, yeah, no, this next bit's all right. And it really wasn't. It was pretty uphill, wasn't it, at times? There was some some big up and down. So, you know, not just that bit that I met you and, and Michelle there, but on the whole 100K, how was it in terms of the terrain? Was it up and down? And were there moments where it was really hard work? Um, it was very up and down. Um, I mean, luckily the weather was, we couldn't have asked for better weather. So, um, my road shoes, uh, my road trainers were absolutely fine and dealt with the terrain sort of perfectly. It was lovely and dry. Um, but yeah, it was very up and down and uh, quite a, 
quite a lot of it you i was running through like woods as well um so you had these big thick like tree trunks as well that you had to kind of like hop skip and jump over um yeah. because the worry was i could go over my ankle here like and then that's it game over um so yeah you had to really like i said i'm not a trail runner so i don't really have experience with um with all that sort of stuff so uh, I did have to sort of uh, mentally, it, it takes a lot out of you as well. Um, cause you well, can't like the concentration of it. Do you mean? Yeah. Like with road running, obviously you can kind of zone out. Um, and you rarely have to sort of watch where you're running. Um, especially on the guided bus in Cambridge, which is where I love to, for that reason, that's why I love to run it. Whereas, yeah, this was, I found myself, I was like, I'm getting mentally, I'm getting quite exhausted having to constantly watch where I'm, where I'm stepping. Um, but yeah, it, it was very up and down. There was a lot of, um, there was quite a few periods where I was walking up hills. Um, that was one of the main, well, with all the podcasts that, I've, that I listened to in the lead up to the race, um, it was the, the number one rule that kind of stuck in my head. Everyone says, you know, from the elite ultra runners to the ones that have done it, maybe just once or twice. They all say walk the hills. Don't don't try and be a hero and, and sprint to the top because you might feel fine at the time, but ten miles later you're you're not gonna your body's not gonna thank you for it. So yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and sort of when you turned up there, you're at the start line. You say there was that anxiety. You know, you got that first sort of twenty miles done. What I'm guessing the aim because it was your first one was just to finish, right? Yeah, 100%. So after that initial feeling of, like, it's my first one, I've got to finish, was there any sort of time in your mind? Um, so, uh, not not really. I mean, I, I kind of, I was joking around with people. So I'm a, as you say, I'm a big Liverpool fan. And unfortunately, the Champions League final was on the same day. Yeah. Um, so I was joking around with people saying, oh, I'll be back for kickoff. I'll be back for eight o'clock. Yeah. Um, but to be honest, once you start, once you start running or like once you get sort of 20, 30 miles in, that fantasy kind of fizzles out because um, you just all you care about is crossing that finish line. I couldn't care what time, what time it was. If I had to crawl over it, I, that's what I'd do. So just thinking about what you said there about, you know, football, anyone who knows you, Georgie, would say that you're a big football fan. I know you're a big football fan. We've had lots of banter over the sort of Liverpool-Norwich fixtures this year. Just gone, we had four fixtures against each other, both cups and the league. And football's a really important part of your life, but it just got me thinking about running, ultra running, any running really, recreational running just with mates for half an hour, whatever. And how running can be really good for kind of perspective and things like that. Now, the Georgie I know, the Champions League final would have been like an absolutely massive thing. The, almost the be all and end all of, of that day, possibly of even that whole season. But actually things changed for you in that day. It wasn't that important, was it? Really? You seemed very, didn't, didn't seem to care much about it because you were so focused in what you were doing. Oh, a hundred percent. Like you said, if, if I wasn't doing an ultra, um, I'd have been, that's all I'd have been thinking about, Champions League final, Champions League final. I'd have woke up that morning feeling sick, you know, because I always do before a big, um, a big, uh, a big Liverpool game. 
Um, but that morning, yeah, I, I woke up feeling sick for a different reason. Um, and yeah, like I said, you, you get sort of a certain distance into the race and I just, I, I, I couldn't care. Even if someone told me the score while I was running, you know, what? I just thought, you know what, I, I don't, act, I don't really care all that much. Um, and yeah, which surprised me because, you know, like I said, I wouldn't, I, I never miss, a, I never miss a game. Um, and uh, yeah, there, there was something just a bit, a bit more important on the line for me that, that day. Um, mind you, it's, it's a good thing I didn't watch it because the result wasn't, I was going to stay up. I was going to stay up and watch it, but I'm glad I didn't now. Did you actually watch the whole game after in the end? I haven't, no. I haven't even watched the highlights. Wow. Wow. Was, there you go. The so, ultra and, was far too, far too important. Do, do you know what, Georgie? And I can't emphasise this to people that don't know you. Any of our running club listening will probably get this because they've met you and they know you about football. But to hear you say that is like emphasise to the guys that don't know you. That's massive, isn't it? And it just shows what running can do. Running can do that for people. And, you know, we're biased because we're runners. I get all that. But actually, yeah, it, it completely made you completely reevaluate everything in that given moment. It didn't really matter. And I think you had sort of asked us guys not to, that we're out there not to mention anything or whatever. And I think, you know, everyone's everyone knows about the the poor, the poor policing that went on there that night anyone who follows football and because of that there was a delayed kickoff so I thought I would still tell you that when we next saw you because it hadn't kicked off yet when yeah. we saw you so I thought well, I'm going to tell her that it's been a delayed kickoff and that you know I think I even alleged that you might still with your dad that you might still have time to get home to the finish or, or yeah. if it goes to penalties you might end up seeing those now because it's going to go on that late and yeah. um but yeah no I think it was it was amazing to see to see that, and don't get me wrong, I wouldn't be any different with Norwich um, about any sort of big game like that. I'd be the same. And, you know, I think in that moment of running, you were in your ultra and it just showed that that you were focused on what you were there to do. And, you know, I wanted to talk about that point in particular, actually, where where I can think of in my head where I saw you. Um, but before that, let's talk about the marathon distance within the ultra. Did you even notice it? Um, yeah, I did actually, because obviously we all know that, you know, the expression hitting the wall, which is obviously commonly used with marathon distances. Um, and although I'd done sort of a handful of marathon, I've done a handful of 26 miles sort of in my training, it was weirdly, I, I, I did hit the, the, the wall around, it was around 20 miles. It was around when, when you and Michelle, um, uh rocked up actually and there was about six or seven miles where i just thought oh, i've done a marathon i'm not even halfway um yeah. and that yeah. killed because it was just like oh my god like the, how am i going to get to the how am i going to get to the end i've got so long to go and I, I feel like i've covered so much distance but yeah i'm not even halfway yet um and mentally that was quite tough to take uh, so I think on that first run where Michelle joined me, that first sort of six or seven miles, I think I was quite quiet because I was just trying to to push through that barrier. So um, that barrier that you mentioned, what 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 did get you through it in the end? Um, well, I mean, Michelle was was incredible support. To be honest, um, even though I was quite quiet, she was you know, chatty. She was making jokes. That did really help. 
um, because it kind of took your mind off it a little bit. Um, uh, And to be honest, I don't, I don't actually know the, the, the turning point was, was bizarre actually. Um, I think it was when the turning point was when Michelle, uh, I think she, she'd ran seven or eight miles. She was like, right, I'll see you at the next checkpoint. I'll see you at the halfway point. Um, but the halfway point was actually about 33 miles. I think I don't, it wasn't 31. It was 33. Was that where we gave you some Coke? Yeah. Coke yeah, yeah, yeah. We should, we should, we should, yeah, uh... we should specify that. Yeah. And also there are other brands available, but I think like, yeah, we gave you some Coke and we said, we'll see you at a halfway point. And we knew that Alex and your parents and your brother were going to be there as well. So yeah. we, and we knew it was on a nice little farm shop. We knew there was a farm shop and we knew there was like this, um, I forget what it was. There was some, it was some sort of weird kind of like zombie place, like where you get chased by a zombie. It was, it was cool. It was really cool. Um, I liked it anyway. But um, yeah, and that was the halfway point. And what you just said, I thought the exact same thing. I got out of the car, parked up, walked towards where you were going to run into. And I was like, oh, this is 56K. Mm. This isn't, this isn't. 50k this is yeah. 56k so you, you've already you only got four you've only got 44k to go um so yeah go on tell me about that, that turning point a little bit more so sort of what happened and how did it unfold so yeah like i said there was that um there was that sort of run leading up to the the 56k rest stop where um michelle had hopped back in the car uh, so i was running it solo and it was, I can't explain it. It were, or I can't describe it rather. It was just, it was like someone had flicked a switch. And all of a sudden I went from being quite negative and lethargic and just, I don't know, not in the zone to all of a sudden just having this burst of energy and adrenaline. And it was like, I don't know, it, it was so weird. Um, and I pretty much ran that whole um, sort of five miles or however however long it was, um, and yeah, it 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 was it was like someone had in, yeah just injected me with energy, and I thought my, my thinking my way of thinking just switched as well, and I thought I've got this. Like, I think they were very clever putting that halfway point at fifty six rather than fifty. Because yeah. I can imagine a lot of people getting to 50 and going, oh, I've got to do that again. I've got to do everything. I've all I've just done, I've got to do it again and potentially dropping out. But because, like you say, because you've only got four, like only, only 44 kilometers to go, you're kind of thinking, I'm I'm over the hill now. It's downhill from here now. I should I should get this. And yeah, I think it I think it was that, knowing that everyone, like I said, was was a, although I didn't know my brother was there, but knowing that everyone was at the the halfway point. Um, I was going to get a hot meal. Um, yeah, it, it was, it was so bizarre. I just, I just had, I was so, it was euphoric almost knowing yeah. I've got this. I've absolutely got this. Yeah. So two things on that. We, um, we obviously all stood there waiting for you. So you won't know this side of it because you, you weren't there yet. And we were chatting about it and we were working it out. Your dad was working out where he was going to get to next and all of that. Um, and we'd heard about their day. And he'd been backwards and forwards, basically. What did he do in the end? Something like 200 miles. Um, Something like that, yeah. In his car. But um, 
Yeah. So what happened leading up to that? Obviously, when you did get there, we spoke, all of us spoke that you you had, and I mean this with the utmost respect to the marathon world, you had just about a marathon to go, plus a couple of spare K, you know. And it was like, when you said that from where I was standing, I was like, she, she's got this. And you filled me with confidence because you could hear it in your voice. It Mm. was quite obvious that you were, you were up for this next bit. Um, But what was even more interesting from my perspective, like the window seat, if you want to call it that is I'd been driving around, you know, dropping Michelle to the next bit to run with you a bit. And, we were getting to the next bit, her and I, to support you. So I was getting used to who you were around. Right. But normally I was seeing probably people that were a good half hour, 40 minutes in front of you. So when you when you ran into the halfway, you had your hot meal, as you explained, and then you off you went, and I, I think Michelle joined you then as well. Yeah. Um, and you guys went off. And as I came out of that farm place, like down that driveway that we drove into and out by the little pond at the front. And then I had to turn right back onto the course coming towards the farm. All I kept seeing was those people that I'd seen previously for the last 20, like 20 K that had been in front of you. Mm. And they, they had they were massively coming in front of you. And actually I'd managed to say bye to you guys, walk back to the car, drive out of the farm and up the road a bit. And they were just coming down the hill, approaching the farm. And I thought, oh, there's that guy in orange. There's that woman with the hat on. There's the funny socks. You know, all these things that you pick up when you're a spectator. And I thought, well, Georgie's been in there 20 minutes and she's gone again. So you'd obviously had a good spell and a good section, which now yeah. you've told me that because at the time we didn't realise it. But I know you've told me it. That all makes sense to me now. And probably, I don't know, from the other perspective, me telling you that, that kind of reiterates the good time that you probably had in that section oh absolutely absolutely um and it's quite it's a weird because funny enough like you were just saying you sort of recognized people on the on the trail and it's exactly the same when you run it as well because you you're constantly you're overtaking people and then they're overtaking you and then you're overtaking them and it's a constant it's not a battle because you're not battling against each other but um yeah, you do. You end up sort of developing relationships with these people that you, you've never met before. You will probably never meet again. And um, but yeah, you're all on, in the same boat. Um, and yeah, it's quite it's a nice experience. Like you say, when you're when you're sort of having a good spell and you can spot someone in the distance who you know overtook you 15 miles ago. It's a, yeah, it, again, yeah. that's a good feeling, and it was a good indicator of right. I've I've, I've looked after myself. And, yeah, this is no disrespect to, to the other runners, but um, to kind of go right, I've, I'm doing the right things. I'm looking after myself because I I don't feel fatigued just yet. Whereas yeah. some of the people around me were starting to drop and starting to feel it. Yeah, yeah, no, and actually, you know what? Um, it was it was great fun coming to support you as well. And actually, you know, people were we were having banter with those same people as well. Cause they were like, Oh, it's not you again. Cause I had our club, I had our club top on, yeah. and, uh, you know, our new club top is very striking and easy yeah. to see and, and uh, very sort of unique. So I think these, these guys, there was two guys in hats. I don't know if you, they, they were definitely brothers um, and they were in and around you and they were, they were just great fun. And they, 
but like again, you wouldn't know this. this is like stories from out there, I guess. But they would turn up and they go, "Oh, is she just still behind me?" Because <laughs> because we would go, "Oh no, she's just behind you." That's why we're here. Like that's why we're seeing you again. It's almost yeah. like at the beginning you had to justify it. But I know from from my experiences and you're describing there within the race as well. There's just this. If you know, you know, and if you don't know, get into an ultra and you'll find out. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I think I think it is is the way of it. So, um, all right then. So, seventy five k. Um, I think am I right in saying that wasn't there meant to be an aid station there, but it was actually at eighty k. <laughs> yeah, this happened a couple of times on the route actually, um, and it was it was in in the second half. Yeah, you'd think. You looked on the app that, that they sort of encourage you to download to your phone. And you were like, yeah, okay, there's a rest of the 75. That, okay, cool. And then you'd get to 75 and there's nothing. And you're like, okay, okay maybe it's just the next, maybe it's the next K. Maybe it's the next. And then you just keep going, where is this aid station? Like, um, yeah, that was a bit of a, a battle of wills, that's for sure. Um, having to just keep. Because obviously you kind of get your hopes up. Oh, yeah, I can have a little sort of five, ten minute break and then get going again. Um, but when that when that rest stop never quite comes, it's like, it's like oh, I just got to keep going, got to keep going. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I think 75K in particular, as you were approaching just about that distance, I think maybe some signs had been moved or something had happened to make it not very easy for you to stay on course, right? Yeah, that was quite tricky. Yeah, we, we were, I can't remember what the village was called. Um, we were running through this village and um, the, the signs, I mean, the 99% the of that race was so well so, you know, signposted. Um, I was thinking, oh, I'm going to get lost because I'm not the greatest navigator. But um, yeah, it, even I was able to navigate that, that whole journey. Um, but yeah, there was this one particular village where we were directed over a, it was like a wreck, really, a recreation ground. And um, you you were running across it sort of diagonally, but then I, I don't know, someone must have moved one of the arrows, and kids having a laugh or whatever, I don't know. But you had another arrow that literally was pointing the direction that you'd just come. And you were like, and I, there was a couple of us sort of stood around, sort of looking around going, I've got no idea what's going on. Then you're trying to whip your phone out, trying to like find the route on your phone. Um, and like you said, because the rest stop wasn't where I thought it was going to be, I was already quite stressed out and quite snappy. I remember being on the phone. I was on the phone to Alex, on the phone to you. I was on the phone to my dad. And like, we were all trying to like navigate me through this village um, and I think I added on a couple of miles unnecessarily, or maybe a couple of a couple of k unnecessarily because I went in the wrong direction. Um, but yeah, that was quite a stressful. <laughs> that's quite a stressful time. Yeah, no. And just to make it even worse, it was just as dark was going to set in as well, wasn't it? It was just turning yeah. from real daylight to sort of dusk then. Um, yeah. Which I can imagine made it quite hard for you. Yeah. Yeah, it was quite because I don't think at that point, I don't think I had my chest light. Um, I think I was gonna get that, I was getting that from Alex at the next at the next stop. So yeah, that added to the stress as well, because you don't want to be running trails in the dark on your own 
without a light. Um, that just that's a recipe for disaster, I think. And what was even better about it, which again, I, I think you do know, but obviously we were dealing with it was you came out of that that aid station that was about 80k it was really starting to get dark the f we knew the first bit was going to be on road for you and michelle decided to jump back out with you mm. <laughs> but me and alex are in the car charging your light because it wasn't fully charged <laughs> um yeah and I've, yeah preparation is key right <laughs> yeah i could have sworn i charged it as well um yeah but yeah, I popped it on and I think I only ran for like a kilometre and then it just died. I thought, oh no, not now, not now. Yeah. But yeah, this no. is this is what this is what ultras are for, you know. It's for it's a it's fun, it's an adventure. Nothing ever goes to plan. So So talking about that last bit then, so it's got dark, you're at 80k, so you've you you've really broken the back of it. And I, I think one of the first things you had to experience in the dark was a uh, a field full of sleeping cows. <laughs> yeah yeah we didn't know whether to run or whether to tiptoe because i thought again last thing i want it would be one hell of a story but i don't want cats i think at that point oh i don't know if i'd at that point if i felt my knee go or something like or i was dealing with a little niggle and um, yeah no that rings I a bell thought, yeah i think it was about them wasn't it yeah and i thought Oh, these cow they'll they'll outrun me for sure. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't be able to sprint, not a chance in hell. So um yeah, we had to I think we ended up walking past them, I think. But Would um, I sleep? I think so. They weren't making any noise, so I think they were asleep. Um but yeah, they're quite a they're quite a scary sight in the dark. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Do you know what? I don't get on well with animals. In fact, we always talk about animals on this podcast. Um it's, it's strange how we always talk about it, but I, d I don't think, uh, you know, cows and the British, the British people I've interviewed, cows are a problem. But in the grand scheme of things, I guess, you know, it's not like one of our one of our guests who was on a course with polar bears. Oh, wow. OK. Yeah. yeah. No, not quite. Uh, not quite that level. But still, cows in the dark are scary, right? <laughs> yeah. That's, I don't they didn't care. I don't think. I think they were quite. They were quite docile, to be fair. But um, yeah. but yeah, we we weren't going to take the risk. I think we ended up walking walking through that field. So at that point, then you get to that next aid station. There was another one, um, and it was literally 10-11 k to go when it when we next saw you, and um, yep. you know your parents were there. Um, Alex and I got there, and you and Michelle ran there, obviously, and we. Um, we kind of walked out on this trail to find you with like a phone light because between Alex and I, we didn't have a light and we were like, it was the longest thing in the world. And you could just see these two little Bobby lights going. right. <laughs> and we were like, it must be, we're looking at the tracker. We were like, it must be them. It must be. And these are all the things that you get to experience on, on ultras, whether you're spectating or whether you're running. I mean, that just seemed to go on forever. That, that farmer's, roman road trail road kind of thing and did you know you were approaching another aid station or not really i don't think so at that point no um and like you say because it's dark obviously you you're really sort of um you, i don't know you're all disorientated because you can't yeah. and like i say you can't gauge distance at all you've got no idea what's come around the corner you've got no idea if there is even a corner um yeah. 
you yeah you, you can only sort of see your hand sort of this um you know this far in front of your face and um yeah had we had no I, I had no idea where we were um someone could have told me oh you're in brighton and i'd be like, oh really i've no idea i haven't got a clue um so yeah we had i had no idea that an aid station was was coming up or how far away it was um at that point i think it was just one foot in front of the other um until i saw that finish line <laughs> yeah yeah and let's let's get let's jump to there then so i think we've we've covered all the good stuff from there so from that point then i all i knew in the car as as i'm sure your dad did was that we were going to brighton race course right yeah from your perspective i imagine you would have been on the top of the hill and you would have been able to see the finish from a long way off or is that not um, right i if it was daylight i probably would have been able to but like i said i was so because well it was pitch black it was like midnight or or whatever and we'd just um i just walked that i mean that hill that you're talking about my word that was really a hill um i looked at the elevation map um before the race and um and i'd read a couple of race reviews as well from people that run it before and everyone was like that hill like if you know you know there is that hill at 88k and uh, the elevation map it was it was practically vertical it was it looked horrendous um and I remember walking up that, I was completely on my own at that point. And again, I think I just had my phone. I think my chest light had died again. So it was just my, my iPhone light. Um, I mean, I'm guessing that's kind of where the South Downs are, isn't it? Really? Yeah. yeah. So um, anyone who knows the area knows how up and down that is. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, this hill just seemed to go on forever. And it was, the terrain was awful as well because it wasn't, it wasn't grass or mud or gravel it was like these big rocks that you again you had to really it was like you were walking up a mountain um and you had to really watch your step because again you thought if i go over on a rock i'm on my own it's pitch black um yeah it was the last thing you wanted to do um and when we finally got to the top you did see all the lights of brighton um but I think I was so in the zone at that point. I just thought I'm just going to, I'm not going to stand here and admire the lights. I just wanted to get to that race course. That's all I had in my head. Just get there, just get there, just get there. And you, you were on it in that last 10K because you, you, you definitely sped up. Yeah. Funnily enough, um, even though, like I said, even though at that point I, I did, I felt something sort of pop behind my knee um and it was it wasn't stopping me from running but i could certainly feel it it was letting me know that it was there um but yeah funnily enough especially that last sort of three or four miles leading up to the race course i think it was actually some of my quickest it was i think it's my quickest pace throughout the entire thing yeah. um i put that down to adrenaline to be honest um yeah i think adrenaline was just coursing through and just um yeah getting me over that line yeah so you're on the right you got to the race course you, you're there now you know you're gonna make it what what are you feeling as you run run down what looked like very long grass to me um when you run down 
you're running down that finish line. What are you feeling knowing that? Because to be fair to Ultra Challenge, like what a what an effort at the finish line. To be fair, you know what a finish line they set up. Massive gantry, like even from a spectator point of view, it was very quite welcoming. It was it was awesome. So, what was your feeling on the other side of the fence? Um, I mean, yeah. First off, that grass was incredibly long. Uh, it was like running on sand. It was like my, my I kept my feet dry. Like I said, it was a very dry day. Um, so my feet had stayed dry the whole time. And the second you stepped foot on that race course, it was like your feet were soaking. You're like, oh, well, <laughs> there's only a kilometer to go. So it's fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was like running on sand that, um, that last, like literally running, cause you're literally running on the course, um, you know, like where the horses would, would race. Um, but it was, oh, it was just, it was incredible. Um, and like you say, because it was one o'clock in the morning, there was something in the back of my head that was like, oh, what, like, yeah, no one's going to be, like, well, obviously, like my, obviously you guys are going to be there, but you're not going to have that crowd or anything like that. But to be fair, like you say, the, the, the volunteers and the workers there were absolutely incredible, um, hanging about and obviously applauding you as you went through and, did someone have a bell? I, th I thought I heard a bell. Yeah, or no, there was like yeah, one, one of the volunteers. I'm sure they had a bell. Yeah. Um, so I heard that ringing um, as I was a approaching the the finish line. And, um, yeah, it was just incredible. Like, you really do go through every single emotion possible on an ultra. Um, there was even a point during the whole thing where I I'd sort of teared up. I thought I'd tear up at the finish, but I didn't. It was actually... Like I said, during that period where I was quite down, um, that was the, the point I sort of teared up. And, yeah, you do. You go, you, you know, much like the South Downs, your emotions go up and down and up and down and up and down. And it's um, it's an incredible feeling when you get to that finish line. And like you say, all the people that support you throughout the entire race, like yourself, Michelle, my parents, Alex, my brother, um, you guys kind of came on the journey with me as well. Um and yeah, it was just, it was, well, what a day. Like, what a day to think I was running for 18 hours. Um, yeah, no, we're, we're, we're with you. Hours. You know, our, our, all of us guys on the sideline will have a different perspective of it, but we're, <laughs> you're right. We There's a journey for everyone in there that comes on that from the start to the finish. And it is, you know, including the training as well. You know, <laughs> we, we were very much, I think Michelle was very much involved in the training as well. And um, I think, you know, we saw the effort that you put in and then we saw the effort you put in on the day. And that was the reward for, you know, seeing you finish was like our reward as well. Like in terms yeah, of yeah. like, we were so pleased that you'd reached that and achieved that goal from all that hard work you'd put in. And to be fair, we decided that we wanted to see that with our own eyes. We didn't want to like hear about it or see the photos yeah. on Facebook Michelle and I decided that we wanted to see you complete that yeah. with our own eyes. And it was, it was awesome. And your, you know, your little smiley face over the line and, you know, it was just, it was amazing. And don't get me wrong. There were bets on whether you would cry or your mum would cry, cry first. It was, uh, <laughs> there were bets, but you know, I think it was, it was, it was amazing to watch you do it. And, you know, congratulations for joining that, that club that many people will desire to, to join that hundred K club. Um, two questions really quickly on it. One, 
when you joined us back in sort of 2018, I think it was, at High Runners, did you ever think you'd run an ultra, let alone 100k? No, never, never. I, I, I remember joining and sort of the first few weeks getting to know people um, and hearing the likes of, yeah, you know, Ian and Andrew, obviously the the, the two sort of the, the famous ones. Um, yeah. And uh, obviously as I've sort of established myself as a member, Helen as well, um, who's an insane ultra runner. Yeah. Um, you hear about all these people and you kind of go, oh, that's not for me. I'd never be able to do that. No, no, I don't, I don't like running that much. I won't, I won't do that. Um, but yeah, you just, you almost get, it, it's almost contagious. You hear people talking about it and you're like, I want to, yeah, I want to be part of that club. Um, but yeah, I never, ever would have thought I'd run an ultra. Never. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And now that you have, where does this end? What is next? Does the 100 mile stand out now? Is it something that you think you want to do? Do you think you'll go on to do more of this sort of thing? Or are you just going to walk away at one and be happy and proud of that? Um, I definitely think there's probably more in the locker because of how, or one of the reasons, because of how good I felt on that ultra, which surprised me uh because like i said a lot of the anxiety leading up to it you don't know how your body's going to cope with it you don't know how your 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 brain is going to cope with it um and i think i surprised myself at how well i did um and yeah i think i'd like to do it again i'd like to do the same exactly the same route again um maybe go for a time considering i didn't realize quite how sort of high up in the ranks that I was. And like I said, I wasn't, I, I absolutely wasn't running for a time, not a, not a chance. Um, so knowing that I'd quite like to do it again, maybe, like I said, maybe sort of a time-based one. Um, yeah. But yeah, the hundred mile absolutely appeals. Um, I'd love to run Snowden as well. I saw a quite, when I walked Snowden, walked up to yeah. Snowden um, last year and I saw quite a few runners um yeah. and i thought oh, that's that's a challenge as well i'd like to do that um but absolutely i think this is just opened the door to be honest um nice i don't know if i'd ever go quite helen's route and do the 250 that that just looked horrendous from start to finish <laughs> yeah and actually hopefully we'll get helen back on the show as well to talk about that uh, that adventure up in scotland as well because uh it'd be good to hear about it but yeah no i mean that's that's amazing georgie it's like what a good account of, of what, what you did and what you achieved and actually probably a message there to everyone that you don't think you have to be into it and then eventually you might just find yourself doing it one day because it sounds like that's where you've come from. Absolutely, 100%. I can't urge people enough to, like, yeah, break those boundaries, like, like break out of that comfort zone. I only ran my first marathon back in February of this year. Um, which might surprise a few people. I've, I've never, that was the first time I'd ever run a marathon. Um, so to go from that to jump into an ultra a few months later, I mean, obviously the marathon was part of the training, but um, yeah, I wasn't, I'm not a seasoned marathon runner, ultra runner. I, I literally just rocked up to the start line and just gave it a good go. Um, and it, yeah, you'll, you'll surprise yourself what your body can do. Absolutely. 
Yeah. And then just a quick, quick word on the organising company, Ultra Challenge, I think. What would you say? Oh, absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. Um, when I first signed up, I remember I was, oh, I can't, it took me back a bit. I mean, the, the entry fees aren't cheap. I mean, there's loads of different options. You can, like, um, raise money. Um, obviously, I was raising money sort of externally. I didn't actually go through the um, the official body but um so i paid my fee and raised money at the same time so the fees they're not cheap but i cannot stress how well looked after you are it's it's such a weight off your mind knowing that the rest stops have got all the snacks all the drinks all the medical equipment you could possibly need um yeah i i can't they're a 10 out of 10 i i cannot recommend running an ultra with them enough they're, they're absolutely incredible. Yeah, no, cool. Cool, cool. You never know, George, we might share We might share the trail one day and do it together. We'll give I it a go. So. I hope yeah, so. No, I'm hoping to keep, you know, keep my journey back and keep keep getting on that. And hopefully you and I and, you know, Michelle and Alex and, and everyone else can at the club can all go and do some of this stuff together as well. So that'll be cool. But no, thanks very much for coming on and sharing your story. Um, I really appreciate your time and, and I hope you enjoyed the process. Absolutely. This is the air. I've never done something like this before. So, um, yeah, it's all it's all very snazzy. I'm quite impressed. <laughs> no, thanks very much. Yeah, and I always think it's worth, you know, you guys that come on and tell these stories, it's great for the listeners to to hear those real people, you know, tangible. You can touch it. You can relate to what these people are saying. And I think yours there is is a great story and is, is exactly what this platform is. It's It's somewhere for people to come and tell their stories so others can learn from it and and go out there and achieve and like you said break those barriers as well so thanks very much for your time georgie so team so guys i hope you enjoyed yourselves um i hope there was some stuff in there that you can take away as i said and if you did enjoy it and you did think there was anything that anyone might benefit from do feel free to share that um either via the youtube channel or via any of the links on whichever podcast platform it is that you are listening so on that note just want to say once again thanks georgie for coming we really appreciate it and i hope everyone listening enjoyed themselves and that we can meet here again next time on the ultra running podcast with me coach marshy <laughs>